Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Faith Living Church. We're so glad you could come out this morning. Um, that was two different movies. I'm sure you've recognized that. But it was um, some weird way of my mind putting two things together. But uh, <laughs> we've been talking about perfect peace. And, um, of course, uh, what happened to those men trying to get into that house uh, could sum up sometimes what we go through in a day. Uh, craziness and all sorts of things happening to us and uh, we want to kill somebody or we're just really frustrated and step on things and trip over things and things fall on us and uh, you, you, you talk about peace yet, uh, you know, it seems like so elusive, it's so far away and we're just struggling to find something. And then the second portion of that whole thing is what I'd like to talk about today is connecting to something like that, you know, like you put something there and something really lights up within us. And so uh, I want to talk about uh, perfect peace by knowing the person of the Holy Spirit. Um, so I know right off the bat when we uh, have a discussion or topic about the Holy Spirit, uh, everyone tends to like, oh, you know, that's like uh, going to be crazy. We don't know what to expect. And so uh, let me just get it off my chest right now just for people who may have uh, some issues with it in terms of what, what it does or what it represents and how uh, sometimes it's seen. Um, I think uh, there's a lot of uh, misconceptions about what the Holy Spirit does and or who the Holy Spirit is. So I'd like to just talk about uh, the Holy Spirit as a person. Let me just take you to John chapter 14. Verses, verse 27 to start with. It says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world does. Do not let your hearts be troubled, do not, and do not be afraid. Now, um, you know, in my, in my study, I found that John 14, 15, and 16, um, although those chapters are long, it really takes place during that Last Supper time where Jesus is with his disciples sitting at the table and he's talking to them and all along he knows in his heart, in his mind that, that he is going to die. And about 12 hours from when this whole thing happens, you know, it says about 12 hours later, Jesus is crucified. So this, this 14, 15 and 16, he's really sitting with his loved disciples and he's talking to them and he's saying, see look, there are things that are going to happen 
and I want you to know I love you and I care for you and, and I leave you with my peace. So I want to take it from John 14, 15 to 31 because this is where Jesus in his, in his last few hours on earth uh, decides to give something to the disciples. He, he gives them this promise. Verse 15 of chapter 14, it says, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, and you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, he is the one that loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world does. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. You've heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it happens, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of the world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. So in that, in those verses, Jesus pretty much comes to the disciples and says, you know, here's what's going to happen in a few hours from now. I'm going to go away. But I, when I go away, when I go to the Father, I'm going to ask him to send you the Holy Spirit. So who exactly is this Holy Spirit that we're talking about? So I, wanna, I want us to just uh, take a few moments and just uh, you know, clarify some of the doubts because the function of the Holy Spirit is so vital for your peace. So the Holy Spirit, he is a person equal with God. First of all, he's a person. He is not, he's not this thing out there. He's not some vague, you know, like whiff of vapor or something like that. But he is a person. He is part of the Godhead. He is part of the triune God. He is considered to be the third part of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is actually God. Look at, look at some of the attributes of the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 12, in verse 32, it says, Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or the age to come. This is Jesus who is saying this. He's calling the Holy Spirit out to be part of God. He is holy. So the attributes of God that we know of, God is holy, God is eternal, God is omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient. All these attributes have uh, been demonstrated in the Holy Spirit. Look at uh, John chapter 14 and verse 16. It says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, and he will abide with you forever. So the word forever tells us that the Holy Spirit is eternal. That's another facet of God. He's omnipresent. Psalm 139, verses 7 to 12. And now this psalm is beautiful. I mean, when you get time, 
uh, do take some time to read the psalm. It talks about how much God knows you. Anyhow, Psalm 139 verse 7 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely darkness will fall upon me, even the night shall, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. This is demonstrating the Spirit of God is everywhere. You cannot really hide from Him in any form or fashion. You cannot, it says, whether it's night, day, down the hell, heavens, it doesn't matter where you are, the Spirit of God is there. Now, that's not to scare us. That's not like to say, ooh, you know, He's here. That's really a comforting factor for us. No matter where you are, no matter how crazy things seem around you, no matter how bad or how difficult the situation is, God's Spirit is there for you. The Holy Spirit that Jesus requested the Father or asked the Father to send to you, He is there. Now, this is a great truth for us to pick up on. Because when you are sitting where, you know, it's, it's usually not when you're really happy and having a good time that you're looking for the Holy Spirit, although you should be, but it's when you're really beaten down, when you're in the dumps, like people have been, you know, walking all over you, or you're having a tough time, things are going really crazy, that's when you need to know that the Holy Spirit, the personhood of God, whom Jesus asked the Father to send, is there with you. Now, when you do that, when you recognize the Spirit of God around you, things happen. You start seeing His power being demonstrated in your life. The other aspect of the Holy Spirit is that He was part of creation. That's who God is, God created. Look at Job chapter 33, verse 4. It says, hang on if I can get my notes together here. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. So we, again, scriptures tell us that the Spirit was there for creation purposes. So all this demonstrates, all I'm trying to do to, today is just demonstrate that the Holy Spirit is really God. The last one I have is omniscience, all-knowing, that this Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is all-knowing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10, it says that, he searches all the deep things of God, and he knows the heart of God. The Holy Spirit is there with all the knowledge that God has. He is right in, in the presence of God, hearing what God has to say. So here's the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit. When he comes to you and me, he comes as sent from the Father as a gift of love. He is not coming to us you know, to, feel, to make us afraid or to, you know, kind of threaten us. He's coming to us in love. In Luke chapter 3 and verse 22, it says, And the Holy Spirit in the bodily form descended on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and bring me great joy. It's amazing that in that one verse, you're able to see the three aspects of God. There's Jesus down in the water, the, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove is showing up, and God's voice from heaven is thundering below, saying, you are my son. So you have these three, the triune part of God, just all together in one verse, just demonstrating how these are three different, um, you know, different aspects of God, but they're all acting together. Now, we in our human minds sometimes can't understand this. It's very... Sometimes it's a mystery. It's like difficult to explain, you know, the triune part of God or the Trinity. It's really, uh, it's a mystery to some of us. We try in our human minds to understand how this works, how there's three people all in one, and we, uh, you know, we, we describe it in different ways. Some people, uh, you know, take, uh, you know, an egg and say there's the, there's, there's the shell, there's the white of the egg and the yolk of the egg, and all of it together is still the egg. And, we try in our different ways to explain this, but I'm telling you, 
you know, some of these things are mysteries of God that only God understands. You want to know more about this? Spend time on your feet, and I'm telling you, God will demonstrate to you in his own way how, how, how wonderful this triune God is. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And yet they have different, uh, they operate differently with us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? This is an amazing verse. It tells us that God's Spirit is dwelling within us. You know, in, uh, we'll come to this uh, just down the road about how God's presence um, in the Old Testament, you see God's presence um, in a temple, and, you know, he would move ahead of them in a pillar of fire and a cloud, and, and then he would be in the temple. His presence would be in the temple. But when, when it comes against sin, when, when wickedness and stuff comes against the Spirit of God in the temple, people die. There's been instances where, you know, people have touched the ark of God, which has the presence of God, and they've been struck dead. Because God's presence cannot interact with wickedness. But 1 Corinthians 3.16 says that you are housing the Spirit of God. And I'm sure I would be the first to say, I am not a clean, clean, clean person. There's wickedness, there's thoughts, there's lies, and yet... Yet, the Spirit of God is able to dwell within you and me. How is that? We're going to come to that. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 to 14. says, And now you Gentiles you have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, here's what happens when you believe in Christ. He identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit which he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would, what does it say? Praise and glorify him. So here's the deal with the Holy Spirit. You know, we tend to walk away from this personhood of the Holy Spirit saying, oh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I'll, I'll happily say God the Father and Jesus Christ, my Son and my Savior and all that. But the Holy Spirit is a little touchy for us. But this Holy Spirit that the God, the Father has sent down to us, He is the guarantee. He's like the seal on you and me that when, when you know, if God had a scanner and you went, oh yeah, that's mine. He can identify who is His. Because the Holy Spirit that's dwelling within you is a seal of guarantee that you belong to Jesus. So I want you to uh, start appreciating this fact. I want you to start recognizing that the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you even now. That, the God, that God the Father has placed the Spirit in your heart. That He is, the Holy Spirit is God. He's indivisible from God. You cannot separate Him out. You cannot say, oh, He's not God. He is God. And God is choosing to dwell with you and me. Now, the interesting thing I learned is that, you know, uh, and I have, I've had my share uh, exposure to, you know, experiences with the Holy Spirit, which has not been comfortable for me, uh, you know, which has made me look at it and say, what's going on? I'm not sure what's happening. But, you know, more I studied about this. The Holy Spirit has all the attributes of God, but is also very much like God. Meaning, if you have seen God, then you've seen the Holy Spirit. It says, Jesus says, I am the Father. I'm like the Father. Everything you see in me is what the Father is. So if you've seen what Jesus is, you've seen what the Father is. And if you know that, then you know that's what the Holy Spirit is. So let's just look at that. Do you see Jesus as being really a confusing guy and causing, you know, all sorts of, uh, you know, disorder around? And he's just, or is he a peaceful, compassionate, comforting, full of love? 
Now, that's exactly who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is a personhood of God who's just like that, would love to come and hug you, would love to come and just be, be compassionate to you, would, was, is, is not an author of confusion, is, is a person who would come and make sure that you understand that God loves you. The Holy Spirit has healing. The Holy Spirit has all the powers and the attributes of God. I say all this because knowing that the Holy Spirit is with you even now, knowing that the Holy Spirit is who he is, you should have perfect peace in every circumstance. I will say this one thing. The Holy Spirit is not forceful. The Holy Spirit will not overtake you and your body and your choices that you have. He is not an out-of-control person who comes and just, you know, makes you do all sorts of bizarre things. We have this perception that, you know, if I yield to the power of the Holy Spirit, then I may do all sorts of crazy things. I don't see that from my study here. I see that the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. You accept and you come under the authority of the Holy Spirit and you give yourself and surrender to him, you will find yourself being comforted. You will find yourself being guided. You'll find yourself being loved by God. Here's the other thing about the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, verses 15 to 16, it says, If you love me and keep my commands, I will ask the Father, this is Jesus saying, telling his disciples, and he will send you another advocate or a helper to help you and be with you. What's the word? Can you see that? It's up there? Forever? Is it there? Okay, I never leave you. Sorry, I got another word, version there. But it says, forever or never leave you. The Holy Spirit is with you forever. He will never, never leave you. This is really significant. Because, uh, and I'm going to reference this now in Ezekiel chapter 10 and verse 18. This is in the Old Testament. It says, the glory of the Lord departed from over the threshold of the temple and stood over the cherubim. I just want to make sure that's the right verse there. So in the Old Testament, you have God's glory just departing from the temple. And if you read those verses, if you, if you see that this is a vision that Ezekiel had because of the, uh, the, you know, the wickedness of the land and how much the people in the Israelites had rejected God and done, gone, done things against God, finally the Holy Spirit or the glory of God had to be lifted. It just kind of lifted itself out and said, I cannot stay here among this wickedness. The glory of God departed. And it's very interesting the way it, if you read it, you know, in verse 22 it says, the cherubim with wheels beside them spread their wings and the glory of God was lifted above them and the glory of God went up from within the city, stopped above the mountain east of it. It's almost like it says, it's almost like the glory of God lifted, went to one part of the temple and then lingered there for some time and then went to another part of the temple, lingered there for some time as if not wanting to leave but being forced to leave because of the wickedness around them, because of the rejection of the people. And it moves away. But John 14, 15, and 16, this is the promise that God gives us, that the Holy Spirit is going to be with us forever. He is never going to leave you and me. You know, it says, uh, it says, the Spirit of God was departing, but, but when it was going away, it longed to stay with us. And that's why when we, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, this is where the disciples are waiting in the room in one accord, and the Holy Spirit came in. It says, like a rushing mighty wind, it just came running back towards us. Now here's the interesting thing. Why is it that the Holy Spirit can stay with us forever? Why is it that suddenly that it's okay for the Holy Spirit to, you know, we're not, we're not perfect beings. We have all our faults and our wickedness in us. We are the temple. It says the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God dwells within us. Why is it that's okay? You know, we'll see that the glory of God lives in us, is not forced to leave from us, 
because it is not based on who we are or based on what we do. The Holy Spirit's presence in our life is based on what Jesus has done for us. It says in John chapter 16, verses 1 to 9, let's go through this. It says, I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith, for you will be expelled from the synagogues. And the time is coming when those who kill you will think they're doing a holy service for God. This is because they have never seen the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you'll remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you a while longer. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because what I've told you. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, or some versions say the helper, won't come. If I don't go away, then I will send him to you, and he will come, the Holy Spirit. And here's the good things that happens. He will come, convict the world of its sin. That's the first thing that the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit comes to you and me and reminds us Actually, it convicts us. It convinces us of our need for a Savior. It is the Holy Spirit that works within our lives for us to see the things in our lives that are wrong. You know, when you and I came to Christ, when we had this experience, if you have not had that experience, then I'm telling you, it's the Holy Spirit that brings to our mind, brings to our heart. It penetrates our lives. The Holy Spirit has so much power it is able to go beyond logic, beyond reason. That's why you find some people who've come to the knowledge of Christ just like bawling, they're just like crying. They cannot get past that. They've been convinced in their heart that they need a savior. People will be like, I, I don't know why, I don't know why I'm, I can't, I can't, you know, they can't explain what they're going through. This is the penetrating power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is able to reach the deeper sections of our heart and convince us of our need for a savior. Very often we take on that role of you know, having to forcefully push ourselves into people's lives and you know, bang on them and hit them hard till they, you know, like, till they run away. God has called us to be witnesses. Yes, he has asked us to speak the words, has asked us to show people love and bring them in to where they can hear and they can expect the Holy Spirit to work on their lives. We are not called, we are not called to change anybody. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus says, it's best that I go away, because if I don't, the helper won't come. Jesus knew that it is the Holy Spirit who's going to come and change people. Our jobs is to surrender, is to hear that voice of the Holy Spirit, is to recognize the personhood, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and ask him to help us. So it says, and when he'll come, he will convict the world of its sin. That's the first thing that he does. He will convict the world of its sin. In Acts chapter 10, verses 43 to 44, it says, Peter says, it's Peter talking here, and says, to him all the prophets witness that through his name Whoever believes in his name, believes in him, will receive remission of sins. Now, this is where Peter is actually interacting with the Gentiles or the non-Jewish people, and he is telling them, anyone who believes in Jesus, anyone who believes in his name, will have the forgiveness of sin. Verse 44, it says, while Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who had heard the word. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. It pursues us, it walks close to us the moment it has an opportunity to talk to us and remind us or convince us of God's work in our lives that through Jesus you have remission of sin. The Holy Spirit just, you know, convinces us of that. The word fell, interestingly, I'm told is, is the same as the word used when the prodigal son and the father meet. In Luke chapter 15 and verse 20 it says, it, this story of the prodigal son says, And he arose and came to his father. When he was still a lot, great way off, his father saw him and had compassion 
and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. That word fell is the same word that's used to describe the Holy Spirit falling on people when they recognize what Jesus has done for them. It's an act of almost hugging that person. You can imagine the father and the son who, you know, the prodigal story, when they, when they haven't, the father's compassionate, he runs and he hugs and he just puts his head around the son, just hugging him, saying, love, come home. That is what the Holy Spirit does for us. The Holy Spirit comes and hugs us and convinces us of what Jesus has done for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 3 says, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So I want you this morning to realize that if you have confessed if you have declared that Jesus Christ is Lord, it's because of the power of the Holy Spirit within you. It is not by yourself. It is, you cannot do that by yourself, it says. It has to be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus came, you know, when the Holy Spirit came upon those disciples in that room, when they were waiting for the Holy Spirit like Jesus had asked them to, the moment the Holy Spirit fell on them, Peter stood up and he spoke about God, about Jesus, and people were coming to understand Jesus more and more. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us and that we, we are able to speak and be able to declare that Jesus Christ is God. So if you're wondering this morning, do I have the Holy Spirit in me? I mean, is the Holy Spirit dwelling in me? A very simple test, a very simple way to understand it is to realize, are you, have you understood what Jesus has done for you? Have you recognized what Jesus has done for you? Have you accepted that gift that he has given you? And then you can easily just stand up and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. And if you can say that, the Bible says no one can say that except by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to understand this. The spirit that's dwelling in you is also bringing out a power that, is, that, that Jesus has sent to you. It is just not something that we have in our hearts, in our minds, that's not meant to be used. It is a power that lies within us that can change the lives of people. When Peter stood up and spoke, many people, many people came to hear and understand, and their lives were changed. It says in... Uh, John 16, verse 10, it says, Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. When we are convinced of what Jesus did for us, that Jesus is going back to the Father to bring us that righteousness. Now, what is righteousness? Is it right doing? Is it something that we feel that we have done something really good and something perfect so we are right and righteous? Or is it what we say, a right standing with God? This is really important for us to understand. And that will also show us why the Holy Spirit can dwell within us. When God declares us righteous, when he says you are righteous, because Jesus says, when I go to the Father, you will become righteous before him. It is not because of what you and I are doing or going to do and are doing, you know, it's not because of my right things. It's because of the righteousness or the right standing with God through what Jesus has done for us. So your hearts this morning, your lives this morning, if you have committed it to Christ, if you have stood there and said, Jesus, I accept what you've done on the cross for me. I surrender my life to you. Then you know what? You are you are in right standing with God. As far as he sees you and me, we are a holy, clean vessel that the Holy Spirit, that his spirit, that the presence of God can dwell in. It's no more like the temple where the spirit had to kind of, the glory of God had to lift and go away because of the wickedness around it. The presence of God is able to dwell in you 
because you have a right standing with God or you have righteousness because of what Jesus has done for you. This righteousness that we have or this right standing with God, it's free. Meaning you cannot earn it. You cannot do anything to get that righteousness. You cannot like climb a mountain or you know, beat yourself up with something or crawl on the streets or do some penance or starve or eat more or whatever it is that you want to do to demonstrate something. You cannot earn that. It is a free gift of God. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12, it says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit for who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us. And this is what the Spirit of God tells us, that you are free, you have freely received the righteousness that is from God. The Spirit of God is a little different from the Spirit of this world. It says, now we have received not the Spirit of the world. The Spirit of the world puts on us guilt, it puts on us um, it puts on us pressure to perform. It puts on us this whole thing about, I have to do this thing right. I have to be perfect. I have to, you know, I, I have to do this. I have to obey. I have to walk in, uh, in a particular way. There's a lot of pressure that the spirit of the world puts on us, that we have to perform in a particular way. But the spirit of God comes and says, you know, you're free from all that. God has finished this thing for you. He has finished the work. All you need to do is trust him and walk in it. This righteousness that he is giving you, this right standing with God, is, it's free. And I think the more we understand that, easier life becomes. Because when you do something wrong, or when you pursue something and you know, you know that's wrong and you do something, you just turn around and say, God, I am standing, I have this right standing with you because you have already forgiven me. Jesus has what Jesus has done on the cross is forever for you. All you need to do is turn around and accept it. And you're in right standing with God. But the spirit of the world would love to come and just separate that peace and put the guilt on you and put the shame on you and tell you that you are terrible, no good. You've repeated this offense so many times and, you know, keep you far away from God. But the Holy Spirit is inside you, prompting you, saying, you know, there is righteousness in you. This right standing that you have in you is from God, and it's forever. It doesn't go away. Last thing that the Holy Spirit does is in verse 11, it says, and the coming judgment. John 16, verse 11, it says, judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. The Holy Spirit wants you to remember this, that the judgment, it's not on you and me that this judgment, this word judgment in verse 11, this word judgment is actually telling you that the enemy of your soul has already been judged, that he has been defeated, that he has no control over your life anymore. That's what the Holy Spirit wants you to remember. He is there to convince you and me that you are not living a defeated life. That no matter what happens, no matter what voice you hear today, that the devil is defeated. That he's already judged. It says that he has no authority over you. And that's exactly what Jesus says in his last words. He says, you know, he has no hold over me. The prince of the world is coming, but he has no hold over me. It is all done. It's all finished. So every day when you wake up and you walk through your life, when you are going through your daily routine and you come across situations that's robbing your peace, you need to remember this. That things have been already settled for you. The Holy Spirit is there prompting within you the fact that you are in right standing with God. And that judgment for the enemy is already done with, that you are walking over a person or, a, or the enemy who is defeated. That you don't need to be afraid of what's happening. That is what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. He's trying to convince you. He's trying to talk to you. So your job is to start, start listening to what the Holy Spirit has to say to you. 
You know, uh, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and acts as a guide. Now, these are functions that the Holy Spirit does in our lives, and I, wanna, I want to uh, kind of hit on a few verses, but let's just watch a video before we um, go into these verses on how the Holy Spirit is a guide. Turn right. In 4.3 miles, turn left. Recalculating. 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 be kidding me I drive and it tells me where to go that's all there is to it what's going on you are a bad driver was that you you are a bad driver I can't believe this how how are you doing this you're just supposed to tell me how to get to where I'm going that's how it works I get in the car I punch in the directions and you tell me the best way to get there why don't you ever listen to me you know, there's times that you take me miles out of the way when I know there's a faster way to get there. Why do you do that? You cannot see what I see. I see problems, roadblocks, and delays. You know, you know, I'll just deal with that when I get there, like I used to before I had you. What's the difference? But why would you want to do that? I can help you through the troubles. I have a system in place to save you from going down the wrong path. You are lost. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not lost. I know exactly where I am. But you do not know where you are going. Uh, okay. Alright. I admit, there are times that I don't know where I'm headed. But there's all kinds of people out there just like me. They are lost as well. well. Why don't you help them? I will help everybody. But first they need to ask. Then they need to follow my directions. Do you trust me? Well, right now I guess I don't have a choice, do I? I'm lost, and, uh, and you're my only chance of getting home. Turn right. All right, you got it. Drive two miles, then take ramp right. Turn right. Turn left. This is a church. You do not need to understand. You just need to trust me. You know, I... Sometimes I wonder where I'd be without you. You would be lost. You are still a bad driver. telling video but uh, I think it's it's a it's an easier way to, for us to understand you know how the Holy Spirit can be a guide it says in John chapter 16 and verse 13 it says but when he the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all the truth he will not speak of his own he will speak only what he hears and it says 
he will tell you what is what is what yet to come that three letter word there it's amazing what is yet to come when i first read that it was like i, I skipped by it you know like you sometimes read a verse and it just go by you know then I, it says i had to like no 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 hang on it says what is yet to come that means the future is that what it's saying Holy Spirit will guide you and he will tell you what is yet to come. You seeking peace in your life, are you seeking that perfect peace where you know what, what you need to do, where you need to turn, what you need to say, what you need to do, what you need not say, what you need not do? That is the Holy Spirit in you. And it says, if you will accept the Holy Spirit, if you accept the help of the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. He does not speak on his own. He speaks from what he hears from the Father, and he will tell you what is to come. Your life is like this map that's laid out, and you're taking these steps every day. And, and I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is there to tell you step by step what to do if you're able to tap into that power. You know, I saw some videos of um, uh, these uh, people trying to get to the top of Mount Everest, which is like, you know, amazingly high. And people get up there, and you have the option of taking uh, these guides from uh, the, the surrounding uh, country. Uh, they're called Sherpas, and these people are trained. They're, as they're young kids, they've lived around that area. Their fathers or their uncles are people who've been on the mountains. They know the roads, and they are Sherpas who guide you up this mountain and they bring you down safely. More deaths happen coming down than going up, I'm told. You know, because oxygen up there is so rare and all sorts of, you run into all sorts of changing weathers. And, and if you take a look at some of the videos they have, it's amazing. You're crossing these crevices with ladders and, you know, it's, it's, it's so, so treacherous. And you have these guides, you pay for them and they'll, they'll walk ahead of you and they'll show you the way. They'll, you know, their job is to protect you and bring you down safely, and you pay them for that, and they put their lives at risk. Because you could easily kill the Sherpa. These Sherpas are fearful because, you know, you have these, you know, really enthusiastic climbers coming up saying, ah, I'm going to conquer this. And they say, calm down, you can't do this easily. It's a tough job. And they, and they put the lives of the Sherpas at risk. And, you know, and I've seen this, they, there's, there's a command center down there, and they're radioing, and the Sherpa's saying, no, he's not making good judgment, he's, you know, we need to come back down, because after some time, you get delirious, you lose your oxygen in your head, and you start making all sorts of wrong decisions, and you're tethered to the Sherpa, and you could, you know, everyone could go down. But that's your Holy Spirit. That's the person who's ahead of you, guiding you, Showing you the way, telling you to come this way, telling you to, you know, walk this way. What's amazing is, you know, that you and I have this guide. He's like the Sherpa. We have this person who's able to take us up this mountain and, and, and reach our goals. There are people out there who don't have a guide. And they're walking this life, you know, taking every step into probably a deep crevice or you know, some really hard situation. You know what's worse? It's for someone to have a guide or have a Sherpa right next to them, and you say, I'm not going to use you. I'm going to go up this mountain by myself. I mean, I can understand the people who don't have the guide, and they are like, you know, fumbling around trying to find their way up to where they need to go. But how do you explain this fact that you have a person who has a guide with them and says, I don't want to use you. I'm going to go up the mountain myself. How can you explain that? When God has given you the Holy Spirit, He has put the Holy Spirit in your heart, the Holy Spirit is able to communicate to you, He's able to tell you step by step, He's able to tell you what is yet to come, He's able to remind you of your right standing with God, He's able to remind you of the judgment that's already taking place on your enemy, that you are a victorious person. How would you not take the help of the Holy Spirit on a day-to-day -day basis? John 14, 16, it says, And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper. This is exactly who the Holy Spirit is. He is a helper. He is a person who's come to help you 
understand what God has done for you, what God is doing for you, and how to walk this life. You know, it says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 to 14, it says, yeah, especially in verse 13, it says, These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. This is another function of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is willing and able to teach you because he is in the presence of God, hearing, understanding the deep things, the deep thoughts of God. Are you sitting here today saying, I don't know what God is telling me. I look into the Bible and I, I can't understand. All these words are just like not making sense. Lord, I cry out to you, make haste to me. I, I just don't understand this. You know who to ask? You ask the Holy Spirit. You spend some time on your knees saying, God, send me the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here with you, of course, but if you need to, and you just say, God, let the Holy Spirit teach me. And you ask the Holy Spirit to start teaching you because that is what he does. His, his, his role in your life is to guide you, is to help you, is to teach you. And it says, in Acts 1.8, it says, he is your power. Because when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, they were filled with power. You know, God has chosen you and me to walk this life for a purpose. And when things go crazy in our lives, when things go really, really bizarre and we are hit with all sorts of bad news and stuff, God is not expecting us to cower down and just, you know, give up. He has put in you the power of the Holy Spirit to stand up against all these things. He's put in you that power that can heal people, that can, that can tear down walls, that can re heal relationships, that can heal your heart. That is the power that is placed within you. That's why you see over and over again in the Bible when the disciples are, you know, tortured or they are put in prison, they are beaten up, they are, you know, kicked out. They come right back with the power of the Holy Spirit standing in front of the same people who beat them up declaring who God is. That is not humanly possible. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the gift that we have, the Holy Spirit that has that God has put within us, he glorifies and reveals Christ. He reminds us of his words. He brings, it says, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance, Jesus says, all that I have said. While the enemy wants to just shut your ears off and not let you hear God's words, which is, you know, power to you, he's trying to shut it off. And the Holy Spirit is there trying to find a way to reach you, trying to find your attention, trying to get you to look at him so he can remind you of God's words for you. It's one thing to read this word, and I'm telling you, sometimes we forget it so fast. But it's a function of the Holy Spirit to remind us what God has said to you. He says, he will bring to your memory, he will bring to your mind all that I have said. The Holy Spirit is your friend. He's with you every day. He's there forever. Whether you and I are able to use him, whether you and I are able to tap into that, will determine how much of peace you have on a day-to-day -day life. Imagine if you knew that when you wake up, that the Holy Spirit is telling you where to go, what to do, how to say things, what to say. When you see a circumstance, he's there to remind you of what God wants you to do in that. I can tell you, that's a life of victory. That's a life of peace. Are you seeking that? Is it something that you want? Is it something that you crave? Is it something that you've seen someone else have? Then I'm telling you, your job is to start praying and asking the Holy Spirit to help you. Don't walk away from the Holy Spirit because he is as important as anybody else in your life. He is God dwelling in you on earth. If you have not understood the Holy Spirit, if you have not taken the time to study about him, if you have not taken the time to read about him, then I'm, I'm encouraging you this morning to seek the Holy Spirit. Let's just listen to this song and then we'll close in prayer.
Asking God that he would come like a rushing wind into our lives. That he would light our lives on fire for him. Above all, that we are able to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us, to be our helper, to be our teacher. That every day that we walk, that he is there with us to remind us of our right standing with God. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you that we can come together and worship you, that we can come together and hear your words. We thank you this morning for telling us about your Holy Spirit that dwells in our lives, that dwells in our hearts, that you've placed the Spirit there, that it is power to us. We thank you that you have sent your Spirit that we have a right standing with you. And it's not because of what we've done, but because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. This morning I pray, Lord, that you would help us, that you'd give us a focus to have the Holy Spirit work in our lives, that we would be led by your Spirit. For your word says, those are led by the Spirit are the children of God. Father, we pray that you would teach us how to take advantage and how to use this, this being of God in our lives. Help us, Father, in the days to come to lean more and more on your spirit, be able to listen and understand and to walk in your ways. This morning, if there's anyone here who's not had an opportunity to, to recognize and accept the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, where through what he has done, he has made a way for you to get to his Father.
want you to take a minute and say the simple prayer with me that invites him to take control of your life. Father, I pray that you would come into my heart, that you would accept me as your child. I thank you for the finished work of Jesus on the cross, that all my debts are paid, that I'm in right standing with you. I accept what he has done for me, and I pray that you will accept me as your child. Thank you for what you've done, and thank you for your Holy Spirit. God, we recognize that you are the author of our lives, that you've written uh, our steps, that you guide our paths, and we surrender our lives to you. Thank you for all that you've done for us. We ask and pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. As your weekly challenge, do you know the card that we have and that's placed in front of you there? Uh, what I've put is uh, just this challenge. I will use every opportunity to recognize and seek the person of the Holy Spirit as my helper, my teacher, and my guide this week. So see what comes your way. See what happens when, when you allow the Holy Spirit to, to start leading your life. And when you listen to that voice, um, I'm sure you'd have uh, amazing stories to talk about. Uh, and I'm hoping you'll be able to share that with us uh, very soon. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, please meet the uh, people at the back for further questions about the church. We, uh, we may have people up front here for prayer ministry, yes. If you, if you need prayer for anything, please come forward. You know, the team will help and pray with you and um, ask God to direct you where you should go. Otherwise, thank you for coming and God bless you. Why could I?